much in our country. We've been through a lot recently. We braved through typhoons from Raleigh to Ulysses, and recently to Tropical Storm Vicky. Recent news of police brutality and abuse of power has surfaced. And the fact that there's still no sight at the end of the tunnel of this country's battle against COVID-19. Fear, anxiety, frustrations, and anger, all of these have taken a toll on our mental health one way or another. With people staying and working from home, or lack thereof, and anxiety filling their minds, the importance of mental health has been a talk of the town. We are celebrating the Yuletide season differently this year, but this is not a reason for us to be silent. In today's episode of Tell Med About It, Cebu Doctors University College of Medicine presents a talk on the Mental Health Act of the Philippines. Tune in and may this episode help us get through this holiday season, bringing to light the issues of mental health in our country, as we wish all of you a happy holidays. What brings you in today is produced by the Association of Philippine Medical Colleges Student Network Visayas, Regional Health Policy Committee in partnership with Cebu Doctors University College of Medicine Student Council. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect APMCSN Visayas and the participating medical school. All right. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. Welcome to the second episode of Tell Med About It. This is a health policy podcast presented by the APMCSN Visayas Health Policy Committee. My name is Dear Robert Castro, and I am from Cebu Doctors University College of Medicine. Together with me this afternoon is a very good friend and also a mental health ally. Please welcome Ms. Rhea Valley, also from CDUCM. How, hi, Ray. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas. Good afternoon, Dayo. Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to everyone who is listening and is joining us today for our mental health talk. How are All you, right. Dayo? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we get to share this afternoon with everyone. Um, we have a very important topic this afternoon, Ray. And I, I know everyone, a lot of people, especially a lot of medical students can relate to this one. So let me start by asking you, Reina, um, how is your mental health right now? Well, um, when you ask that, it's it's a quite loaded question, no? because of everything that we have experienced this year, you know, we have the pandemic and we are continuing med school through online platforms and it's quite tricky. And um, for me personally, this was the year that I think I was really able to appreciate the importance of mental health. And I think it goes for you as well and also for those who are listening. True. Because yeah, it's it, everything, happening more like this year it was really unpredictable and mm -hmm. you yeah it's literally you don't know what tomorrow is going to offer us right yeah right Ray. so yeah i i had my own um fair share said no of mental health problems a couple of months ago and the reason why i ask you that Ray, i ask you that question is that this afternoon we'll be talking about the philippine mental health app so that's the MHA or the Philippine Mental Health Act. So at this point, Ray, I'd, I'd like to ask Sadno, um, 
how would you try to compare your mental health right now since you've mentioned no, that, that there were a lot of things that really happened since March and then mid, like around July or August, and then we are we are extending to like uh, a 10 month period already for the lockdown. Um, how would you compare your current mental health status right now compared to the pre-COVID era? Or let's just call it the pre-lockdown era. When you say it like that, no, it it feels so long ago. And then imagine that it was just like what nine, ten months ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was it's it's still in the same year as today, and I I can't imagine that it's happened all in 2020. And with regards with um, you know the mental health in pre-lockdown, it's very different. It's like it's one day you are planning some trip with your friends and you mm-hmm. are very excited for that trip you know we are in med school and it's a we always try to you know get opportunity to go out to relax you know go to the beach or you know go hiking on the mountains and then now it's just um the next day you are scared to even go to the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very different story. There's um, the, the gap there. So I think um, mental health-wise, it's really took a toll. Not just me, not just you, I'm sure, and pretty much everyone. Yeah. yeah so I think I, I... this one is very, I'm oh, sorry, this is a very relatable topic for everyone. It truly is, it truly is. Um. We, we've been talking about this, no, like mid July, mid August. How has your mental health been? Um, how are you doing? Now, yeah. um, especially last March when everything was really uncertain, no, and then yeah. um, I think that was April when you transitioned to online classes, and um, there was a different feel to to the online classes. And for me, um, it has it has provided. Um, a sort of comfort in a way, but sometimes there is this certain anxiety um, with your online classes and, you know, the, the experience is really different when you get to see people face-to-face and that also contributed to to the mental health problems uh, that a lot of medical students, a lot of people in general are are experiencing. So, um, I'd like to ask you, Ray, you know, with, with all of these things happening, um, how did you try to cope up? How did you, how did you try to to keep your mental health um, like on, on the top on the topmost level. Yeah, so um, I may think um, I'm with everybody on this that in the duration of um, the the strict lockdowns and you know there's a lot of anxiety going on in social media and um, there's just a lot of things going on. So I'm pretty sure not just me. We try to delve in or we try to revisit our um, hobbies that. We are. We will be saying on the past months that oh, we're too busy for that, and mm-hmm. then we don't have time for that because we had to study. So, and those duration before we started um, online classes. So, we visited some hobbies. You know, um, you we were talking about because I think it's one of our ways to cope up. We usually video call each other. We miss True. having someone to talk to every day, right? So um, for me, you know that I went to cross-stitching. It's very domestic. Mm-hmm. We Everybody went to baking and um, a lot of our friends became plantitas and plantitos. True. And 
it goes for everyone as well netflix became our best friend <laughs> what mm-hmm. movies what movie next what series next <laughs> well, that's one of our main topics when we do our video calls as well diba and and you i know that you all you went to yoga right i did i i went into yoga uh, i did Netflix as well. Um, I think we shared a couple of series together, you know, um, katumanga katumanga uh, animes that we watched together. Yes. <laughs> and um, I think it's also good to remembering uh, it was during the pandemic that our podcast was born. Sad, no. So yes. yeah, it, it has provided <laughs> some light, sad, um, in a way. So um, I think with that, break, we can say that mental health is really something that we have to value. Something that we really have to promote, and at the same time, we also have to to protect. Also, again, as I've mentioned, um, we are going to talk about um, this topic right now, the Philippine Mental Health Law. Um, I think it's a very good avenue for us to to talk about uh, a topic that um, sort of are uh, not really given a lot of attention in the in the previous years. The mental health law, I think, uh, has been signed into law just. I think three, four years before. So um, at this point, Ray, are you ready now to to start with our um, questions, our um, official podcast? Well, I'm more than ready, Theo. You know that I am so excited to have this topic because I know that it will benefit a lot, especially to our viewers, you know, the medical students, and to all those um, people who are also struggling with their mental health, especially mm-hmm. during these very trying times. So I am more than excited to delve into this topic, and I really want to learn more about it. Okay, so um, for those of you who'd like to listen to podcasts, uh, you can consider this as your self-care for today. You know? So listening to our mental health exactly. podcast for this afternoon. So Ray, I'd like to ask you, um, what do you know about the Philippine mental health law? Well, for this, I, I have heard about the mental health law. But you know, the specifics of this and you know the services that um, this mental health law can offer to its um, maybe to us or to our future patients i think it's important that we would be able to talk about them today mm-hmm. well ray just to give a very brief background on what the philippine mental health act is uh, allow me to read you no know, a very uh, short lang excerpt coming from the law so the philippine mental health act en- enhances the delivery of integrated mental health services promoting and protecting the rights of persons utilizing psychiatric, neurologic, and psychosocial health services and appropriating funds therefore and for other purposes. But um, mental health isn't just about treatment of specific diagnosed mental conditions. Aside from that, the topic of mental health also seeks to target one's mental state at its core, and promoting mental well-being during life's day-to-day challenges through positive coping mechanisms, self-care, you know, and aiming to bring everyone as close as possible to a state of peace and self-awareness. So what can you say about that, Ray? Well, yes, um, I do agree that um, this is, I think, an encompassing um, law that we could be really able to use more. And I think we should be able to utilize more 
about this because um, you know we always promote um, awareness or education about um, things like this and it's um, very apt that this would be our topic for this afternoon that's true and you know since we were in first year medical school or if there are paramedical students listening to us right now we know that health is always defined as the complete physical mental social and a lot of, of things amalgamated into one so to help us better understand what the philippine mental health law is about we are joined this afternoon by a very able person she is a psychiatrist and a very staunch advocate for mental health ladies and gentlemen please welcome Dr. Glenda Vasubas. Hi, Doc. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. Hello. Hi, each and every one of you there. Thank Glenda. you for inviting Merry me. Christmas. Hi, Rhea, and hi, Deo. It's nice hi, to be here. Thank you for joining us, Doc. All right. So, yes, uh, everyone, we have Dr. Glenda Vasubas. Uh, she will answer um, your questions. So, by the way, if you have questions, that you'd like to ask Dr. Glenda Basubas about mental health or the Philippine mental health law, you can chat it in the chat box of this um, podcast and then we'll try to answer them as much as possible. Aside from that, we also gathered a couple of questions coming from different medical schools here in the Visayas and we'll try to tackle them one by one. All right. So I think Rega and Doc Basubas is ready. So let's start the ball rolling. Okay, so... For our first question, Doc, um, what is the Mental Health Act? And say in a nutshell, what does the Philippine Mental Health Law cover? Well, uh, actually, they, the Mental Health Act started in 1983. It's just, just an act, really, you know, where the main piece of legislation covers the assessment, treatment, and the rights of the people with mental health disorders. But our own Mental Health Act, which was then signed into law and became the Republic Act 11036, was signed by our president in 2018. That's June 20. And after which it was uh, implemented into a law the following day. So it was signed on June 20. Okay, so this was by many, but then primarily endorsed by Senator uh, Ontiveros. No? So you have Senator Risa Ontiveros. Well, in a nutshell, it's otherwise known as an act establishing a national mental health policy for the purpose of enhancing the delivery of integrated mental health services, promoting and pr- protecting the rights of people by utilizing psychiatric, neurologic, and psychosocial health services and appropriating funds, therefore, and for other purposes. So in a nutshell, that's how it is. But it has been started as an act in 1983. It underwent actually several revisions because of so many things under the law, the, the act rather, that actually wants to be debated upon at the Senate. 
no? This actually starts in the Congress. And once it's being approved in the Congress, it has to go through the Senate no? for approval. The debate continues. So just imagine 1983 and now we have it at last. No? Other countries have it also. In fact, Malaysia had it before us. No? So, and this is the very first uh, mental health law no? that has been signed into a law here in the Philippines. Okay, so that's how it is, no? It, the, it covers actually the, not only for the psychiatric but also the neurologic no? because there are neurologic problems that actually would present in, a, you know, a psychiatric science and mm-hmm. or behavioral problems. Right. Thank you so much for that, Doc. Ray? Um, yes, yeah, so it's very interesting to know that Doc Nonga, um, it has marked it, it started way long ago, and mm-hmm. then we are just really trying to improve more. And then finally, just recently, lang, so 2018, so um, it's, or, it's already here, it's already implemented. So uh, I believe that there are a lot of things. Nga, Kanangi consider Jod, and then that's why they have a lot of um, revision. So it's nice that um, they are really able to, kanang they were able to think good. Kanang they want to be thorough for this, for this um law, so that it could greatly benefit the the people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Doc, go ahead. Yes, Ray. I would like to add also because that's central to the Philippine Mental Health Law or the Act itself is really the protection and the promotion of the rights of people with psychiatric, neurologic, and psychosocial health needs no? as well as their families. So therefore, the rights, the roles, the responsibilities of mental health professionals are also clearly described. Right. Um, so, you've mentioned, Dr. it was like in 1983. So, it was yeah. sort of a long struggle. Um, yeah, very long struggle. The, it was older it was older than probably me, you know. I, it was like more than, <laughs> 20, more than 20 years ago. And then, it was only signed into law in 2018. So, that's a, a two-year-old law. Now, mm-hmm. how would you say, Doc, what is the importance of the Philippine Mental Health Law being signed into an actual law? Well, actually, aside from paving the way into the total integration of mental health into the Philippines' general health care, mental health law will also provide the patients and the sufferers access to the benefits of government medical insurance like the PhilHealth. No? Because before, they would only be considered by the PhilHealth if the patient is really admitted into an institution and if it is grave enough to become really a liability. But now that it is signed into law, uh, even if the continuing treatment of a patient going out patient for checkups and even just plain consults in the OPD, it can already be covered by the PhilHealth you know, or our insurance system. Okay, so also, it's going to make the individual have that 
accessibility towards medicine. You know, the medicines now for psychiatry actually are very good. We now have, you know, if you're familiar, the second generation antipsychotics. But then the truth is, even if it is just the generic aspect, it's quite expensive really. You, you think about olanzapine. Cheapest olanzapine is like, uh, what, 30 pesos. Cheapest, no? But compare that to a first generation antipsychotic like chlorpromazine, it's only 5 pesos. No? So, still, now, under this law, everybody has access to it. In fact, in Vicente Soto, for the Center of Behavioral Sciences, with which I'm also connected to, we uh, are giving free medications, no? including the antipsychotics and the antidepressants, as long as the patient is being examined at Vicente Soto. No? So, they are now free to access the medications. Right, so um, basically, Doc, it has provided availability, accessibility, mm -hmm. and affordability of mental health mm -hmm. services mm -hmm. you know, for the general population. Yeah, mm -hmm. because uh, it is also going to mandate the government to provide specific health sectors, no? like mm -hmm. units or let's say health workforce that are primarily dedicated to mental health sufferers no so if we have uh, dedicated services for the hiv for the diabetics for the ptb tuberculosis we do have now for mental and uh, that refers now to the psychiatric and neurologic services for free no so yes that is very good to know doc no because Mental health is also a condition that we don't just put on the sidelines. It's happening, it's there, and I think the really the lack of awareness that we have these services mm -hmm. is um, what would uh, maybe hinder some people to you know to seeking treatment because maybe um, there would they would think that like the medications could be expensive and yes. um, where would they go and I think there's also a, a, a lingering you know stigma about it so that's why I um, I think Murag um, a lot don't want to Murag, they, they're just in denial they don't want to really recognize this one because also of the lack of awareness for this one so it's very nice to know nga, the uh, what men they mentioned a while ago that and also what you mentioned doc that um, services now with mental health conditions are very accessible and they are free so yes to every one of you who are listening maybe um, you yourselves are going through some um, you know issues or um, you think you need to um, avail professional helps and or maybe you know few of your family members or friends so just so you know we have wider access already to um, these types of conditions yes uh, that's true no so um, basically your mental health law um, signed into law to benefit everyone said no well um, doc, while I was skimming through the law itself uh, I noticed uh, there were points that the doc nong kanang uh, there is a role for the service user, there is a role for the family, there is a role for 
for the legal representative and there is a mm-hmm. role for mm-hmm. um, the health professional. But there was no specific rule mentioned there for medical students. Maybe that's under the health <laughs> professional. But as medical students, Doc, um, what should we know about the Mental Health Act? You know, as students, then you belong to the roles with uh, still under the educational institutions. No? So when actually this bill was unanimously approved in the Senate, 2017 pa, no? but it was signed into law in uh, 2018. No? There were actually several inclusions in the said proposal that highlighted the roles of different government and public sectors in order to fully implement its measures. No? In fact, the DOH was tasked to coordinate with the different levels of educational institutions, no? from DepEd to CHED, no? to incorporate mental health education in the curricula of every school in the country. Now, you medical students, of course, Uh, you have your psychiatry, right? It depends because like if you are PBL, OBE, then you're only going to cover it for let's say one module. Okay? While in the traditional uh, school for the medical curriculum, uh, we have actually two, at least two years of psychiatry. No, two years. Now, one exception to that was before it was revised in the Golia School of Medicine or College of Medicine, they had three. Psyche 1, 2, and 3. No? So, that's why I would always expect like if you are a graduate from Golia's, then you should know more about psychiatry. No? Because the traditional method in most schools only have two. Okay, Psyche 1 and 2, but they are yearly subjects. But nevertheless, it doesn't really matter because when you are really interested in two, psychiatry or mental health, then you would try to get uh, every opportunity to learn. No? What are the common psychiatric conditions? No? What are the uh, usual treatment for it? No? So the move of DOH to incorporate Uh, mental health education in the curricula, not only in the college level, but high school and as early as elementary could really put mental health issues into the mainstream, no? especially into the consciousness, no? the mainstream consciousness of the younger learners. And this could also help greatly to reduce and hopefully eliminate stigma towards mental health. Now, in fact, you'd be surprised because, you know, I'm a very strong advocate of mental health. In fact, um, uh, we lead no, in the Philippine Mental Health Association to educate, psycho-educate even to the youngest level, even to the barangay level. No? So we go to schools trying to have certain talks about the different common mental problems according to the level, no? the educational level. So if it is uh, among education for elementary, it's simplified, high school, and then later on college, and of course, for you, the postgraduate no? in the medical field. Okay? So that's, that's how DOH is really spearheading everything. It's trying to collaborate 
with the different institutions, including education. Right. So it's more of an integrative approach. And Doctor, so you yes. have the education. You also have part of the culture. And I really like what you said, Doc. Nung, uh, we start early. We start with elementary. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's better to build boys and girls than to repair men and women. Yes. No. So Ray. You're right. Yes, that was a very good statement, Theo. Because, um, diba they say na um, kids are easily taught than you know adults and it's nice that it um, they should start young and they should be aware as well because i think i don't think no one is safe from conditions like this and um, even kids may um, may go through something like this because you know you don't you you can um, predict the Um, happenings in within the family you know so um, it's nice doc that you have different integrative approach with regards to different um, age groups so mm-hmm. uh, that would be nice and also it more they sila ma shock ba when um, they go through in high school and college nga okay na adeni so it's nice nga as young as they are they are aware nga something like this is present it's happening and we are trying to do something about it we are addressing this issue because this is a serious issue mm-hmm. now it's sort of like really you know Uh, sex education or the reproductive health education no you're very young so i'd like to ask both of you when were you first exposed to sex education what can you remember what grade were you or level Deo? to be And honest <laughs> uh, i can't remember without you oh know, my gosh I you're not listening <laughs> you were not listening any sex education before mm-hmm. What about you, um, Ray? As for me, Doc, I think maybe high school or okay. yeah, at, at that age. But it's it's not something uh, kanang it's not really taught in no? school or oh, kanang malaytarong uh, ano kanang kaan lang from different types of influence, you know. <laughs> Mm-mm. Okay, so actually, it depends probably on every school, no? Like certain schools start it at around grade four, grade five, because you know that's also the time. You know, uh, ladies now are menstruating, having their menarche earlier, right? Mm-hmm. I I had mine when I was 13, but then now uh, the menarche, would you believe, is as early as nine years old. No, that's very why, early. Yes, that's why they're introducing already the subject of sex education as early as just the very basic what's happening to the body, why it's nothing to be afraid of, and why not start also with mental health education that way, right? True, true There are some children who don't, you know, they don't behave the way that we expect them to be. No, so uh, just a little bit snippets of like what ADHD is, what autism is, so that they'll be able to understand, and they're not gonna bully these kids. Because sad to say, children with ADHD and the ASD, no, autism spectrum disorder, sad to say, they get bullied early in life, no? especially if they're quite high functioning and they're sent to school uh, in a traditional way. So, of course, the behavior can still be noticeable. 
no, to the classmates. And if they're not aware of it, they would tend to bully the child. So I'm really happy about this and I'm happy that as early as now, you're even having this podcast. No, because imagine this is being listened nationwide by different schools in the Philippines, right? That's it's true, Doc. We talked about, no, and I'm happy because uh, now, as early as the Zillennials, the Zillennials actually are the ones born after 2000, no. So, and the oldest Zillennial now is considered to be like what? Because the Generation Alpha, the oldest, is about eight years old, no. Mm-hmm. By now, okay. So the Zillennials mostly are now elementary, high school. And some are entering college, and they're the generation actually who never really learned about you know the the telephones, no, that are still you know the dial ups, no. Unlike the millennials, okay, the millennials of course that's where most of you belong. The uh, of course you're quite familiar with both. You're actually the generation is very lucky because uh, you integrate part of. The old transitioning into the digital. That's why they said the uh, millennials are the most adaptable of all the generations. And we have to watch out yet for the generation alphas because they're still very young. But then somehow among the millennials, we're getting a lot of depression and uh, suicidal tendencies and anxiety. To imagine that they're still very young. All right. Thank you for that, Doc. And I, I just remembered with what you said. No, you have sex education, you have HIV education, you have mental health education. I also remember uh, um, Japan also do, does the same thing with their blood donation program. It's it's not directly donating blood as early as elementary years, pero it's more of inculcating in them uh, different values. So I think that's also true for mental health. So um, that's that's it's also nice to to think of kind of transformative learning no, as early as. Kindergarten or elementary, you know, you get to bring that when you become, when you, uh, you know, um, reach older ages. No, Anasia. So thank you so much for that, Doc. Now, um, we'll have kind of a couple of questions though coming from different medical councils, and I think this one is related also to to the previous question. So, um, part gapon of being a medical student, um, mm-hmm. how can we sort of help? In raising awareness on the importance of the mental health law. Oh yes, what can you do to help? No, although you know there's a general perception of mental illness, and now it has already improved over the past decades. No, studies show still that stigma against uh, mental illness is still quite powerful, and this is largely due to. Media stereotypes, no. Even the jokes alone, alone, right? Have you noticed when it's about mental health, uh, they tend to laugh more and they they joke a lot about it, right? So that's it. Could also have something to do with the uh, lack of education and that uh, people tend to attach negative stigma to mental health conditions at a far higher rate. Than other diseases and disabilities, no, like cancer, diabetes, heart disease. So, like, you know, how often is it that it's more acceptable to 
be able to discuss about cancer, about diabetes, about you know all those things. But when it comes to mental health, well, stigma still uh, actually affects not only those who are seeking treatment, but also for the number of resources available now for proper treatment. Would you believe that? Even among our colleagues, no, probably you in the future, you'll be more open to it. But among our colleagues, sad to say, especially you know the older generation, they seldom really refer to psychiatry, no, their patients, even if it is already very clear that there is a mental health issue involved. No, like I had, these are just some uh, you know conditions. Like I had one patient who eventually went to me self-referred no because this individual is quite educated and has been you know streaming a lot no over the internet but i was just sad when uh, she actually told me that you know what doc dugay naman unta ko this been a long time that i really wanted to see a psychiatrist but it was my internist who actually told me that hindi pa mangkubuang no i'm not yet out of my mind no i'm i'm not yet considered you know psychotic so why should i go but then eventually she sought it upon herself to really go no so these are some of the conditions that actually at this level we're still facing no and uh, even in training institutions like soto soto is vicente soto hospital is actually a training hospital on a tertiary level no so i still have to guide residents no because uh, i'm now uh, the training officer in charge for psychiatry there and uh, i have to talk with the residents who are quite you know caught usually in a debate and argument with other uh, departments in the same institution like for example delirium no of course the patient presents with uh, behavioral problems no pa- uh, becomes agitated they're hallucinating but you know sad to say it's very easy for the other departments to say oh you refer that to psychiatry huh? they did not even try to see what's the reason behind it only to find out later on that oh my gosh it is organic no so it, it, you try to get rid of the organic or medical cause the patient actually will be relieved of the delirium so you see even among doctors there is still a lot of debates about it no so arguments and uh, that is something to do with uh, stigma But you know here are a few powerful things that you can do to help, no, that I can suggest. So, try showing individuals respect, no, and acceptance because it will remove a significant barrier to successfully coping with their illness, no? So, like your students now and some are already senior clerks probably and others are PGIs, you know, postgraduate interns, we call them formally as interns now. Okay, so we always try to educate by telling them, you know, if you notice that there is a clear psychiatric problem because you already learned this in medicine, please show them compassion, show respect, 
show you know like acceptance like it is really an illness by itself and can be readily medicated or treated although not all remember not all psychiatric conditions can be cured like schizophrenia but definitely treatment is available no that will control the condition seemingly like diabetes for example no so they still take it probably for life but they can become well functioning members of the society no another way that you can help as students is to advocate you're doing this now no advocating within our circles of influences because this can help to ensure these individuals that oh basically they have the same rights and opportunities as other members in the society no the church the school or even the community no and stressing within your level towards other people that you may come across with about learning more on mental health because this will allow us to provide helpful support to those affected within not only in communities but even in our families no because you know even in our families our loved ones a cousin or relative might be suffering from a psychiatric or mental health condition and by advocating whatever we have learned you no know, to the family helps a lot no so actually there these are just simple things but you in your level can already help no and you're you're doing this this is a start hopefully it's not going to just stop here but there will be more you know and we can have more podcasts about different issues in mental health but this is just a start this is a general no and it's very important to know about the mental health law first and afterwards we can stretch them out one by one because it might take you know several sessions pa to talk about it alone no yes thank you so much for that doc ray um yes doc um i was so amazed mark most speechless ko sa imuhang giingon ganina about like you know really opening our minds towards these conditions and there there's something that we can get from social media you know the influence of social media nowadays we know that they can be both good or bad yes. and um kanang badya in a way that kanang you know their the stigma may increase but also good in a way because we can also use the platform to be able to share um, more education or it could also be our way to stop the stigma so very True. tricky language and mm-hmm. then i've also read in um I, i think i've heard it in a podcast somewhere now um what might be too much for others might not be too much for you so mm-hmm. you don't necessarily judge them when ka aoa she's overreacting mm-hmm. and people have it way worse than her or him mm-hmm. but it's not like that man di ba doc nga kanang just because na ay someone nga nagsuffer you see so nag, someone nag suffer um fit, uh, like let's say more physically doesn't necessarily mean nga the other person is not entitled to feel nga 
ka ng, to not feel okay. So yeah. the thing that I think we can also help, kay, it, like we have friends, you know, maybe they are showing na um, they are sad or they are going through something. I think a simple, how are you? Okay ra ka? Would um, greatly help. And it would show na kanam, their um, emotions are valid. And this is not OA. Nga, kanang, you are t- entitled to your own emotions, di ba, dog? So, mm-hmm. yes. sa social media, very tricky lang sa good siya. As the song goes, it's okay not to be okay. True. No? So, True. I love the That's song really because true. actually it's really okay not to be okay. And you know, being a student <laughs> nowadays with all this online thing, I cannot imagine, no? Because I, I am teaching online, but I cannot imagine being a student that everything that goes through you is just online. It's really very different. In fact, uh, yeah, we do have the sims, no? Or the simulated or the virtual uh, because that's how we do it also for the senior clerks now who, by the way, uh, I feel really with them also because it's not easy to learn mm-hmm. if everything is just virtual or simulated. No, we do have from uh, uh, severe, for example, they have a lot of simulated no? conditions, medical and psychiatric included. But my goodness, that's different. It's different when you're really face to face with a patient and you're really the one conducting the you know, physical examination. No? Or let's say when you are the one doing the mental status evaluation, it's different. Even in psychiatry, you are doing, you know, telepsychiatry, for example. That's how we are now in Soto because uh, for psychiatry in Soto, we have closed because so happened, unfortunately. We had a case of COVID patient inside, so we had to close. We had to defer admissions, just manage them for acute care. And for the outpatients, we're doing telepsychiatry that's another thing no because even for the residents they're having some difficulty really mm. no facing and following up patients and of course there's that internet thing also uh, you might uh, you the facility the the department may have a very good connectivity with the internet but what about the patient on the other end no they go True. static like oh ah, ah, and they're doing like that and then they say, oh, okay, so what's he trying to say? Or like one patient who's running back and forth trying to catch a signal. Yeah, and that's true, there's a joke about it. But we really have a patient who had to climb a tree just to catch the internet connectivity. So that's how difficult it is because at Soto, most of our patients actually are Class C and D. Not so much for the the private, no, because in the private patients, they usually are, you know, middle class above, no, or even the rich ones, and they always have this internet connectivity thing, not a problem. But still, for us, the doctors, it still has a difference. It's different when you are right in front and you see the nonverbal cues, like in psychiatry alone, we do a lot of those nonverbal cues. But you only yes. see the patient until here, right? You don't see what's happening downstairs. So that's why it matters. It matters. Although we are adjusting, but then there's still a lot of, 
you know difference no, that happens there. Thank you so much for that, Doc Andre. So I think no, uh, it's it's very good to to hear from um, a faculty, no, uh, um, everyone's experience good. Like what Rhea mentioned is is her own experience. So my experience may not be the same as Rhea. It may not be the same as with the other classmates. So I think what we can say here is, as medical students, we have to be sensitive, no. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> as as what Doc mentioned. Um, For all medical students who are listening right now, respect, compassion, acceptance, and that um, treatment is available for mental health disorders. And uh, I cannot emphasize this more, but we have to learn more, you know, so that we can help more. Said. So again, thank you for that, Doc, Andrea. So, uh, Doc, we'll move on to the next question. Yes. The next question is: um, What sanctions can be done to those who violate? The mental health law. Mm-hmm. Now uh, we're talking about the implementing rules and regulations, no? Which has just been signed, by the way, by uh, Dr. Duque, just uh, this, I think, January 2019. But even then, even if we already have the IRR or the implementing rules and regulation, the implementation of it. No? So, or if it really has the teeth to bite those people who are, you know, trying to violate the law. Okay? So, like bullying alone. No? So, bullying has already been, you know, very much common and uh, it's being already uh, identified that in schools, the bullies really have to be sanctioned. But although... As perpetrators, they also need treatment because the bullies themselves also have a lot of conflicts at home in the environment. No, so sanctions actually are not yet clear cut about really what to do. Like for example, uh, what about? Uh, of course, gender equality. No, that's already there and it's already being promulgated. But even then. There are still other individuals who still try to make fun, no, of uh, LGBT Q and A. They they really don't don't realize that they can be you know dragged into court for doing what they're doing, but uh, also for the individuals who are suffering from mental health problems, they are entitled to this but they just really have to go and file cases formally if ever no now at school it has different sanctions no like it can be as mild as a warning to memorandums uh, memo can be given to the student or as grave as expulsion from school No, if there is a violation in any of the items mentioned in a mental health law. Now, for uh, the patients themselves, no, so any patient, for example, who is mismanaged and not getting appropriate treatment, can always report to the chief of the hospital, you know, to which the patient is getting treatment, and the chief of the hospital. Will be the one to really to find out if the doctor has a lapse 
after hearing the explanation of the doctor. No? So, of course, they can also file cases, but then it will depend on the burden of proof. No? Of course, the, the evidence. It has everything has to be evidence-based. That is why even now, medical practitioners, especially we're talking about in the field of mental health, we also need to be careful and cautious when treating. No? Uh, every patient has a right. No? Remember the Bill of Rights? They have rights. Right to treatment, the right to say no to a treatment, the right to choose a doctor. No? Like, I always tell these patients no, who come to me, you know, like uh, patients in mental health with mental disorders, they can go round robin. No, they have already been like to other doctors and then they come to me eventually and they say, Doc, uh, I actually came from Doc so and so and like that. But I always tell them, you know, it is your right. If you want to seek another opinion and you are not satisfied with mine, please, please, you have, you can, because that is your right. It is your right to know what medications are being given to you. And then I just hear comments like, Doc, is that so? Like I was injected and I really didn't know what was injected to me. Oh yes, you have the right to know that. So, you know, we also need to do some time for psychoeducation to our patients. What rights do they have? The consent, the confidentiality issues. So, like if I give my cell number to the patients and tell them that you can text me but please don't call. Why? Because I need to find out who you are because I don't keep your numbers, they are confidential. So if you have an issue, I have to make myself available too. No, I know that some of my colleagues may not be in favor of this, but I do because I care for my patients. But I tell them that if you have a concern, do text me at this number. I have number also specific for patients alone. And then always state your name state the medication that you were given and then third is the concern what is your concern and don't worry i will answer you back if i need to explain further i'm going to tell text back please call now okay so that means i'm now available and i need to talk more to you about your concern but if it can be answerable with just a text or a messenger viber i do no, I, I, I answer. We have to be careful because now patients also have rights and they can demand and they can also really go and seek for justice no? if they think that they were not treated properly. Sad to say lang that most of our patients, especially coming from the C and D level, they don't really ask. They're afraid. They're ashamed. They're embarrassed. But uh, this is what we're doing also in our psychoeducation as we do community outreach, no? That's, that's part of the training in psychiatry. There's a subspecialty called community and social psychiatry. Just like there is child psych, we do have community and social psychiatry. It's part of the training. Uh, this is where we go to far-flung places where there are no mental health programs. And then we include the psychoeducation. Now, why it is important to know what you're being given and if you feel right. Now, and if you don't, you can always complain, but to the right authorities where to go.
No? So, there are, there can be sanctions like for the doctors, it can be as mild as just warning coming from the chief. Or if this doctor is still a resident in training, it can be a demerit. No? So, we call that a demerit. If you interns also have demerits, we do issue demerits for our residents. No? who are not practicing, do not uh, treating the patients well, or even expulsion from the training. No? If it is grave enough, they will no longer be included in the training and um, they will be considered like uh, they cannot be promoted to the next level. Okay, So that, that's how we, we deal with it. But the law can really even uh, also give uh, imprisonment for those who are uh, doing the malpractice, no? especially. So, this will be included in the legal med. No? So, you have your legal med, medical jurisprudence, and even uh, maybe looking towards the future, uh, it will fall under behavioral sciences. It might already one day become a board exam, really, subject. But it will fall just like in the United States. It's actually under behavioral sciences. But now it's still being incorporated under internal med. So that's why medicine as a subject, board subject, psychiatry is there. But there are now moves because since we already have a mental health law, that it will be like in the US now, that there will be already a board subject for behavioral sciences. So you really need to learn more about it. All right. Thank you so much for that, Doc. Um, thank, yes, Doc. Thank you for that. So um, again, I, I think it's important to reiterate that because this is a mental health law, there are certain sanctions for it. it. The sanctions right now may be tricky, but I think the important thing to note here is that it is a serious violation to um, violate one's mental health. And um, um, it's also nice that, uh, Doc, you were able to reiterate that um, it's unfortunate that there are a lot of um, people or our um, people of the Philippines are um, that uh, most of them don't know their rights especially to health and they have a lot of rights that they should be able to exercise and I think it's also important for us um, future doctors that we could be able to reiterate this to our future patients as well nga. they have this right nga, kanang ma'am sir dili mo dapat ma nga, whatever um, cause you confusion or if you have any questions yun, nga, they should be able to voice it out so that we would also know na mo na ilang concerns and then we could be able to address them properly yes and also uh, i'd like to add that uh, for there are certain conditions that patients don't have access to the right to treatment no this is being also included in the mental health law. Of course, number one is when they become a danger to themselves or they become a danger to others. No? And of course, when they are already incapable of making rational judgment, like if they are suffering from dementia and other major 
neurocognitive problems no so that's where uh, their the right to treatment can already be affected even if they say no 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 i don't like but then they really need it and they're incapable of making the rational judgment then there will be a significant other who will be there to make the decision for the patient now if the patient is a vagrant no so we have a lot of vagrant psychotics right uh, it will be deemed upon the uh, the medical uh, director uh, the chairman of the department then they make the decision for the patient if the patient is vagrant and nobody to really stand for the patient that's how it goes and so th this is also being mentioned in the mental health law and in the implementing rules and regulations Thank you so much for that, Doc. Yeah, I, I do remember that there is kind of an hierarchy no, of mm -hmm. who will become the legal counsel. Pru, mm -hmm. I think to to put it in a nutshell, no, I think the most important thing here is respect for human dignity and respect for others. No, mm -hmm. I think I think not just for those who have mental health problems, but to everyone in general. Yes. So, yeah. So thank you so much for that, Doc. And the next question, Doc, um, sort of related to the prior questions, but maybe you can have, or you have kind of additional input on this one. Uh, this comes from our friends from the University of St. Lasalle. So shout out to our friends from Bacolod. Manghapon. So Hi. the question goes like this, Doc. How can we integrate and emphasize the importance of mental health to school institutions? Oh, yeah. Now, uh, it depends on the school uh, or the institution itself, no? Like, I know that in Cebu Doctors, you're starting your own mental health program. I'm also a part of it. And it's very nice because it is holistic in approach. It's not only the doctors involved, but also the psychologists and uh, other uh, persons no, in the administration of the school that shows that they really do have empathy and they sympathize for the plight of the students now who are under stress. No? So for those who have not yet have, probably uh, the school can initiate that. No? It can be initiated by the student council themselves. Because no? you have a student council, now you can try to talk to the school administration or to the college administration if there are concerns about this and what's their take if there's going to be a mental health problem uh, mental health program developed for the school itself okay so because we really need all the support we can get no and then right now it's not just a person face to face but then we now have a lot of online supports no you know, uh, suicide has been rising and there are school dropouts now. You know, even with this modular, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of teenagers who are really having a lot of problems adjusting. And usually these are the students coming from private schools because I noticed that the modules of the private schools are really quite difficult and uh, it, it can be very challenging. I'm not saying that those from the public schools don't have it, no? But, you know, I noticed that in the public schools, they are very careful because they're being supervised really, no? So, but in the private schools, I don't know, maybe they're having a, a, a free, you know, they're, they're getting this 
their own way of trying to make the modules. But it's not just me, but I also confer with my other colleagues in the same field. And likewise, they're also getting it. Most of them are in the high school. That's, uh, the elementary they also have. No, but it's usually because the parents themselves also are having difficulty in understanding what the module is about. You know, the generation gap, it's really very difficult. Plus, the internet may not be readily available, you know, the sources. Okay, so the school really has to come up, has to be proactive about what to do. You, know, you do have guidance counselors, but it may not really be just enough. There should really be something like a mental health program for the school you know, that will cater specifically for the students who might now be suffering certain mental health issues because of uh, how they are adjusting to the new normal. You know? We call it the new normal. And there are a lot of online. You can search this even in the internet. There are a lot of free online support groups that you can join. You, know? you can search through that in the uh, Luzon, Sayas, and Mindanao areas. You know? Whatever your take is, if you scroll through those. Uh, so it's spearheaded in Luzon by the National Center for Mental Health. You know? They have their crisis hotline. Now here in the Visayas, I'm familiar because we do have our own crisis hotline 24-7. It's free, we call it Tawag Paglaum. No? So, of course, there are others also, like in USC, they also have their, their own support groups. Okay? So, it, it depends on the school really. No? So, which schools and universities are proactive and they give free online support groups or consults or if the need arises, really uh, consult with a mental health professional like a psychiatrist no? who might be needing now medications like antidepressants and anti-anxiety agents. No? So please contact your school if you don't have one. Then my advice to you, uh, you have a student council, try to get in touch with the school administration, talk about it. And it, it should be because the government mandates that the mental health service should be available to each and everyone uh, in different sectors of the society including the schools up to the elementary level in the community up to the barangay level otherwise the school can also be sanctioned if they don't have one no? so try to be proactive let's be proactive in this Thank you so much for that, Doc. I really appreciate no, um, this particular question, considering uh, even us uh, being medical students, I know we have psychiatry subjects. Um, I think Rhea mentioned it earlier, no, we are still prone to having mental health problems or mental mm -hmm. health issues. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the important point you made there, Doc, is that there are people that you can reach out to. There are people that you can get help from. And um, it's important for us to kind of reach out to these people. Said. Ray, would you like to add? Yes, um, about Sakatong Hotlines. No? So, again, it's good nga we have really kanang, a lot of means na doc. No? Mm. If kanang, 
kanang whatever alang atong ma-reach kung unsa atong prefer so we have different means as well so atong nakamakaingon dok nga naay support groups even though online mm-hmm. and i believe sa we have a lot of free podcasts available also yes. nga diba like this mga, one <laughs> yes dok ani oh, like this mm-hmm. one so mm-hmm. it's nice that this is becoming a proactive um, solutions or or um, actions toward this very serious issue and um katong tawag paglaom nga imong giingon dog so um, mm-hmm. um it's a nice kanang thing to know nga naay ngani and it's mm-hmm. kanang sa Visayas naatay ma-access naay sa um, Luzon as well and yeah and also Mindanao too no they also have theirs actually you can you can browse through them in the internet if you want uh, free yeah there are a li- there's really a listing of the free and they are credible online supports no but of course if you can afford there's always the private also it depends really on where you want to ask for help yes so, um think, yes sorry go ahead Ray. No, sorry I, I i just want to ask lang dok about the tawag paglaom mm-hmm. can we search it sa internet lang May, oh, maybe yes. for more details yes yes uh, all you have to do is go to bsmmc center for behavioral sciences and there you'll see the post of tawag paglaom no uh, mm-hmm. of our outpatient services it's actually a joint venture with um, globe no mm-hmm. and also with the doh and vicente santo no? memorial medical center thank you for that doctor I, i just remembered the i know nga. Um, I used to train for the. Um, this is the Hope Line, Doc. No, I used this to train used to be the, the Hope Line, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, way back 2014, I attended the training sa Hope Line, and I never imagined that I get to become a person on the other side of the line. I get to be the caller um, asking for help through the through the Hope Line. So uh, through the tawag paglaom. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a very important point. No, never be afraid to reach mm-hmm. out for help. Good. Mm-hmm. It's 24/7. No? So and then if it's really you know you need to talk you'll be scheduled right away with a mental health professional either a psychologist or a psychiatrist it depends no because people who are answering your calls here in Tawang Paglaom are all trained properly so they know how to handle they can talk and at the same time they listen and they will know where to triage no so where to be referred will you be for more for psychological counseling psychotherapy or now you really see a psychiatrist you might need medication no? but even if it's the psychologist the psychologist also can tell if uh, this is no longer just uh, purely psychological there's already a psychiatric component so yes All you have to do is reach out. You no know, help is very much available. Thank you for that, Doc. And I think it's also good, you no, know, to acknowledge the the work that our uh, friends over there, the Tawag Paglaom, do, uh, especially during this time, the holiday season. That they're still working 24/7. Thank you so much for what you do to improve the mental health of the Filipinos. Okay. 
So um, at this point, Doc, we'll move to the next question. And I think this is a very relevant one. This comes from our friends from the University of Cebu School of Medicine. Uh, the question goes like this. How can we address and promote mental health at this time when the country's current priorities are centered to the pandemic, the calamities, and the socio-political issues? Just remember, there is no health without mental health. And that is your clue. And it's really very simple to try to have a good mental health and to maintain your mental health. Just eat right, sleep right, and exercise. No? So, there are only three no? if you follow them. They're all actually catering to lifestyle. As a number one, of course, is mind what you eat. No? So, uh, that's why they say you are what you eat. No? There's a saying that goes like that because if you keep on eating unhealthy food, you might even become vulnerable to depression. No? But then if you eat healthy, you balance your diet with proper nourishment, you take your daily dose of vitamins, whether you like it natural or tablet form, and then please move. The body only needs 30 minutes of physical movement every day. That's all the body asks. You don't have to lift your weights. You don't have to go to the gym. Oh, a simple Zumba or dance, whatever dance you like to do. 30 minutes is what the body needs just enough for the brain to release the endorphins, the dopamines. They're all going to make us feel happy. No? So, if you can walk around the park now safely, then yeah, brisk walking. Or if you can just uh, do yoga, no? or if you are having this stretching exercises, mindfulness, no? there's a mental exercise. Oh, but maybe we'll be, if we talk about mindfulness, it might take another hour na naman. But then, you can always also search that through the internet. Mindfulness really helps a lot, especially during periods of stress. Because it tries to, in a nutshell, tries to really put you in the present. No? With your feelings, with what you think, without judging it. No? Without labeling it. But just to be simply there. Like for example, they say, oh, it's not easy during this time. Of course, when you practice mindfulness, you're not going to get it in just one sitting. No? It's just like physical exercise, you also train the mind. No? And it takes time, you just practice it. Good thing about nowadays, internet, if you have it, whether it is connected or cellular data, you have it. You can just surf the net and everything is there. YouTube is there and very simple. That's how others learned how to cook. <laughs> I noticed, no? Most of them search the YouTube and then they post what they're being able to do. Then why not do the same? Sleeping right. Okay, enough sleep. It depends on what kind of person you are. Maybe you are the morning lark. You go to bed early, then you wake up early, you're a morning lark. Or maybe you are a night owl. Night owls, usually they go to bed late at night, no? Like, uh, the earliest they go to bed is probably 12 midnight or 1 a.m. And then they also wake up late, okay? Because they're... But there are also others. It depends on the amount of sleep that you need. Not everyone is equal here, no? 
the general average is six to eight hours. But you know, there are some people who sleep only four hours and they're good to go. Why? Because it depends on the type, no? the quality of sleep that you have. No? The lesser REMs and more non-REMs you have. Like if you say, oh, I had a dreamless sleep. Actually, you had a dream. You just can't recall it. But what matters is that when you wake up, you feel rejuvenated. That's the clue. You had a good night's rest. But the moment you wake up and you have so many complaints, you're grouchy. So it means that your sleep is not good. No? So quality of sleep, it is also going to be dependent on the person. Others need 12 hours. If they don't get the 12 hours, they, they feel so grouchy. No? So it depends on the need of the individual. It's just the general average, which is six to eight hours doesn't necessarily have to be that way so you there you have it folks it's really very simple and another thing also i'd like to add is acceptance self-awareness the very moment you notice that hey something's not right here i better go get some help talk to a friend to a confidant or if the need be call Call the online support, no? Like tawag paglaong, no? It's just a call away. If you have nobody to talk to, okay? So always remember, when help is needed, all you have to do is to reach out. But first and foremost, you have to be aware and you have to be accepting of uh, one's own weaknesses. No, we have our own weaknesses. No, each of us. Nobody's exempted from it. No, but then what's important is we need to accept. No, no, and remember, depression can strike anyone. Doesn't mean to say, na, ah, depression is only for the weak. No. no. Or I can't get depressed. I have an IQ of 130. Oh, please. No, so it doesn't choose. No? Everyone can get depressed, including myself. All it takes really is the right stressor to hit you. But if you are very much aware of yourself and you're accepting, you know your boundaries, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, then go ahead. Act on it appropriately. No, that's what I can say. And you'll have a good mental health. You can maintain it as long as you start from there. Self-awareness talaga. Yes, thank you so much for that, Doc. So that's the clue there, no? Um, for everyone who's listening, know yourself, be self-aware, and accept your flaws, know your strengths. Mm-hmm. Ray? Yes, yes. Oh, na- Marg, na-touch dyan ko sa imong game. True. Na because muna siya ang relatable dyan okay. nga koan. Nga, we also need to appreciate that there could be a lot of um, mediums that we can go through for us to help. All you just have to do is you take that first step, you get up, you do this, you may, it doesn't necessarily, no, nga imubuhatong tanan. One step at a time. And I think from what Doc mentioned, what we can get from it is not everyone that would, uh, not everything that would work for one person would also work for you. 
So mm-hmm. Marcia, that's why we could be in that stage na trial and error ta. So since nakakita kaniya nga uh, yoga work for him or mm-hmm. her, maybe I should try. But if mm-hmm. you feel na good siya nakahelp kay it's not for you, then it's okay to look at other mediums as well. Mm-hmm. Kidaghan man kaayo or mm-hmm. be offer liba like dog mention na idaghan sa YouTube dili ra <laughs> yoga, daghan nag free yoga pero daghan mm-hmm. sa ug ug free mga baking sessions, cooking sessions. <laughs> nga if ganahan ka mo delve into electronics or kuan mm. so very grabe ang variety mm-hmm. just know what really de-stresses you no so if uh, listening to music does go ahead do it meditation does go ahead do it different strokes for different folks so just just be aware no where where you can really de-stress Yes, and for those of you who just joined in our uh, live podcast, I'd like to repeat what Doc made mention earlier. Now, three things, Langyo. We only need three things to keep ourselves mentally healthy. Mind what you eat. Move your body. No? So, galaw-galaw. And then, sleep right. So, I think this is a very good time for medical students to uh, get your Z's. You know, Recuperate. <laughs> Yes. Um. Uh, the 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 clue here is that you get rejuvenated after mm-hmm. your rest. Mm-hmm. All right. That's right. Especially you, medical students. Uh, some of you are getting asynchronous classes, right? Now during the holidays, so there's so many asynchronous. So you just have time management, no? Like you might want to sleep first and then study later. Good thing is that. Now, uh, online learning is more flexible. Now, it's more flexible, really, especially for the medical students. True. So schedule, no? schedule your priorities. Mm. Okay. Thank you for the doc and Ray for your input. Now uh, we're almost closing on our podcast, so let's move on to the next question. I think uh, this is a very important one no, for us to know. Um, what are the different treatment options available in the Philippine setting for medical students um, experiencing mental health problems or even kanang non-medical students or, or the general population? No, there, there are actually two types. No, You have the pharmacologic, this is where medications really given, and you have the non-pharmacological way, which is the psychotherapy. And there are many kinds of psychotherapeutic techniques and other support measures like behavioral modification, mindfulness. These are things that can be done as recommended by the mental health professional. So you might be able to read about your condition. And in fact, nowadays, in the internet alone, there are a lot of checklists. You can even get the Hamilton depression and anxiety rating scale online no you can answer that and you'd know like oh my god my score is very high because it's a test that you'll not be happy you get a high score no the lower your score the better you are but now you know you can gauge yourself you gotta ask help you, you just try to seek for help because the mental health professional can give you the options no for me if uh, madala pa og mga psychotherapeutic psychosocial interventions i do it but if i really feel like 
the student needs pharmacological intervention, then I also recommend it. But I do together with that psychoeducation. Because you, know, you medical students, you're quite familiar with it. But for the non-medical, you have to do some psychoeducation to let them understand why it's important to take the meds, what are the possible adverse reactions. But first and foremost, I always tell them there is no medication without any side effect. But I explain to them the effect, even if it is one in a million, it is always registered because it is still a side effect. But what is important is that you are monitored properly by your doctor with the medications that you're taking and by making oneself available if the need be. It helps a lot for the patient. It gives them the confidence no, to really become uh, cooperative to treatment. Because the moment the patient also, you know, Practicing medicine is also like business. If uh, you don't know how to relate and you don't have a good rapport with your patient, they're going to leave you and they're not going to follow your instructions. So we need also to guide them and be there for them. Thank you for that, Doc. Ray, you want to add something? Uh, yeah, so about sa guidance, Doc, no? So, right now, it's quite tricky because, again, lahi rajud ang dynamic if, like, like telemedicine lang mm-hmm. through yeah, yeah. Um, the computer, through online, rajud ang imong communication with mm-hmm. the patient because we were taught also of both the verbal and non-verbal cues or mm-hmm. um, actions that you could show to your patients. And mm-hmm. um, important sa gyud ang non-verbal and mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> there are a lot of kids here sorry <laughs> so um <laughs> i'm so sorry so yeah about the non-verbal cues it is as important as the verbal cues as well and then katuyong gingon ganina doc ka makita rani mo sa each other sa imong patient um like anang ano ra top half ra sa tao so it's lisod um lisod siya to really try to relay our compassion our kanang understanding good to our patients mm-hmm. there right. are actually pros and cons to telemedicine no or telehealth depending no like for us telepsychiatry but in general it's called telemedicine or telehealth now what are the advantages of course if you have the right connectivity there is uh, increased access No, to healthcare, to care, consults, and then it will also limit the risk for infection. You know, it's pandemic still. No, and then of course, the uh, the con there number one will be for the doctor really is the cost of uh, let's say the equipment, no, and the technology, because it's not like uh, it, it has to be an application. It doesn't mean that. Uh, you're okay, uh, you can just see the patient through Viber or Messenger. That's not enough. Unless, of course, the patient you're very familiar with. But what about the record keeping? No? Of course, there's a free app for that. No? It's called DocQuity, uh, I think. No? I think the Doxy. There's the Doxy, that me, something. Now, we're trying to use that app also in CBS no? for our patients' you know, record. But, you know, there's the lack of physical interaction, the 
nonverbal cues you you won't be able to see it it's difficult also to examine when you're examining a child for example or for some specialties like for example if you want to do your neurological exam how are you going to do it no you really have to touch the patient no the physical examination is you know very much lacking so you will have to make do with a lot of your clinical eye okay and then of course uh, the booking the quality of the videos the calls the, the access to the technology on the part of the patient they do matter and you know like philippines we're not like the advanced countries There's free internet and it's really super fast. But here in the Philippines, there's free internet, but it is so slow. No, so permilang kang loading. No, in fact, uh, I pity some of my medical students because they sometimes uh, open up to me and doc nahurut na akong data because you know they're just using the cellular data. They don't really have an internet connection. That's why uh, it's an option to have the asynchronous. No. But even for us teachers, you know, it's quite difficult. Like I'm very used to really looking at the uh, the students, following up. I I'm always, you know, like when I discuss, I would like to go around, go up and down the amphitheater. But then I can't do that here, no, unless I'm going to pin each and every one of the students. So there are really pros and cons to it, no, about this online thing. But hey, it's if it's gonna be a part of the new normal. So the question now is, uh, telehealth is it here to stay? No. So well, actually, truth is the demand for telehealth is already growing, no, because probably of its convenience to some, accessible, and it can be cost saving because. They can. They don't have to beat the traffic, no. Like uh, you know, you can just. It's just a call away, and it can be an attractive solution for you know practices that want to improve their current services. No, but however, what I can say is that regardless of one's view to telehealth, it's set to be a mainstay, no, in modern healthcare. So. And will likely become a well-established method for managing healthcare in the near future. So that's why it's quite difficult for some of the baby boomers, no? So like those who were born before the 1960s, most of the consultants really have a difficult time. Although not all, no, there are a few who really are very flexible, and they also go into telehealth. No, but then if that's how it's gonna be, that's how it's gonna be. It's here to stay. And if this uh, coronavirus is here to stay as well, it's been starting to mutate into different variants. So we'll just have to face the music and go with the new normal. No, so if, if it's going to be a practice, just have to be. For me, it's a combination now. My practice in private, no, because I do private practice. I do face to face, but since in the hospital where I'm practicing, there is a quota for the patients to who can only come up, so they really have to book appointments. Like before, I it's very usual for the walk-in patients, but nowadays no more. They really have to book an appointment. No, so 
it depends no and i do also teleconsults but then it depends on the patient if they're also very accessible with their connectivity so we just have to be flexible and go with the flow All right thank you so much for that doc um i think one of the um bright lights no, of of this pandemic in terms of medicine was the birth or the the improvement really of telemedicine i mean it it was there before but the coronavirus pandemic sort of reshaped it into something that mm. is more useful to something that is more relevant mm. nowadays and uh, i i love what you said doc no, when you said yeah, if the music is there then i think <laughs> we have to learn how to dance to that music <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. yes so uh, i think you also kanang can relate it to the fact that we are human beings and part of our being is the social part. No, that's why we really love interactions, we really love to see people. Mm-hmm. No, but um Motodoc na, na catch ni mo attention good with the neurologic exam. <laughs> so how do you do the neurologic exam? I'm going to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I think hopefully with with what has been happening, mm-hmm. um maybe there are a lot of students Um, who are into information technology that maybe can can make a way no to improve like hopefully it mm. makes it possible to mm. perform your logic examinations virtually and so on like that mm. and doc with what you mentioned long kanang there are a lot of uh, students going to you uh, telling you uh, they're having problems with their internet connection i think we can relate no the the next question to that <laughs> one And this question, by the way, comes from our friends from Iloilo Doctors College of Medicine. And their question is, what do you recommend to medical students who are troubled both financially and emotionally in these times? And also, when they are losing faith, do they still keep on praying when they think that it's not working anymore? Well, you cannot set aside spirituality, no? Because the human being is mind, body, and spirit. But that's just one aspect. No, you cannot just go and just be with your spiritual aspect all the time. You need to accept that hey, there's that physical part of you, there's that mental part of you, diba? So you need to cater to those three aspects. Kung baga, you need to be holistic in your approach. Just don't keep on praying. No, it's just like when you keep on praying to God that you will pass but you're not studying. You know what? If only God can get out of here and then smack you in the face no, and tell you, nga, how can you pass? You're not even studying. No? So pray ka ng pray. Wala ka namang ginagawa. No? You're not even doing anything to help your body. You're not doing anything to help your mind. Oh, no, so look at it. Mind, body, and spirit. No? So if you have to move to the groove of the new normal, so go ahead, no, complete acceptance. No? Try the holistic approach. Okay, so we don't have to keep on blaming the politics. What, what, what if that's what they're doing? Let's try to do what we can on our end, no? Because hey. As doctors, we don't have to get carried away with politics. But in our own little way, if we're going to help other people, it will create that ripple effect. Just like a pebble, you throw it into the lake. 
No? So, that's the ripple effect. But it's got to start with you. No? So, like, ikaw, you're so distressed na out there. Oh, but are you aware of what's happening to you? How can you help yourself? No? Unless you're completely psychotic, then you no longer know what is real and what is not. But in depression, you still do. All you need is the right, you know, the insight, the awareness to accept what's really happening here. And what can I do to help myself? Because I'm already struggling. Hmm? Remember, three aspects, mind, body, and spirit. Wag ka ng spirit ng spirit dyan. No? So, you attend also to your mind and to your body. Remember, the body needs food, exercise, and rest. The mind can do a lot of reflection, meditation, mindfulness. Oh. There are different ways to help every aspect of the human being. So, just be aware of yourself and try to get all the help that you can. Yeah? So, I have a lot of good friends out there in Iloilo. No? So, West Visayas, mga doctors, hello, uh, regards to them, no? So, there uh, actually Iloilo have more psychiatrists than Cebu. You know that? Oh, yeah, that's true. Bacolod a little lang, but in Iloilo there are more psychiatrists than in Cebu. Thank you, Doc. That's good to know, no? That they have a lot of psychiatrists oh, there. Yeah. And I think yes, with what you said, Doc, no spirit John. <laughs> No, yes, that's true. I think <laughs> I think with what you said, Doc, no, nga, um, always praying but not kanang doing something. Yeah. Medyo daghag na ego tingali ato yes. mga medical students, me included. <laughs> <Ako>. <laughs> and yeah, I, I I remember lang my mother always quoting this line. Nga, um, I'm not sure if it's from the Bible, but she always tells me nga lihok tawo ketabangan taka. So we're if if you continually pray without doing anything, it's good as nothing. Sad, it happens. So, mona basig mugawas gud si Jesus Christ and itoklud gud ta truly no. So yeah, um, with what you said, doc, spirituality is important. Make it a holistic part of oneself. Yes. So that's a very good point there, doc. Pray. Yeah, so ego sajo kay ko ato doc when we are stressed we have the tendency no nga atong first thinking we will blame others so maybe we'll including god to, yes doc murag why god why me so maybe let's try to kanang resolve from the high and then kalma lang sa and then let's try to think calmly and let's try to think that Let's try to consider that maybe the problem is, is with us. Um, let's try to internalize first because whatever you're happening, you are in control, man, di ba, Doc, mm-hmm. na, of what is happening in your mm-hmm. life. And so, psychotic, ka na. Really, yes. <laughs> but so, while you, you're still sane, no? Yeah, yes. you can. So maybe it really does start with you. And then, diba, the saying na nasa Diyos ang awa, pero nasa tao ang gawa. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very relatable joke ito siya, Doc. Shout out sa tanayang mga medical students. Nga, sige lang, ampu. Mulihok na ta on 2021. <laughs> so, 
for this one, the, the next one, Doc, um, again, relates to medical students lang sa Japan. Mm. So, we know that there has been a lot of, with the start of the pandemic, daghan kayo mga Zoom, daghan kayo mga webinars, and sometimes, these, all of these online conferences sort of add up to the, to the kanang load of the students. So, the, the question, Doc, is that, what are other proactive ways not to promote mental health awareness no, aside from mm-hmm. Zoom that could be appealing to, to medical students or to the general population, Sadok? <laughs> yeah, we call that webinar weariness no? or webinar burnout. Bisag kami, we doctors, my goodness, webinars left and right. It's like, what? Webinars again? And you know, sometimes two webinars in one day, three webinars in one day. You get a lot of it overload, no? So, what can we do? Choose what is best for you, no? What works for you? So, like, if there are two webinars, uh, maybe you try to see which one really you need to attend to. But please don't do multitasking. I know some students do. <laughs> I see doctor talking here, the other doctor talking there. And I have, oh, I have another one. I have my laptop, I have my iPad, and I have my iPhone. Okay. And then all the doctors are talking at the same time. But then the student is already sleeping. No? So actually, we in the faculty, we talk about it. No? Because me, I'm concerned. I know that uh, some students are like that now and it's part of the webinar burnout no so that's why i i try to suggest always no like if i have a lecture and i am given 4 hours my goodness i do not consume the 4 hours because even i myself i'm going to listen to my own you know talking for 4 hours i'll be sleeping no we even feel sleepy during our times at med school now we have to sit for 4 hours listening to the teacher and more so if the teacher has a monotonous voice my goodness it's really a very good induction to sleep no so uh, i'm so aware of that so that when i began teaching i always make it a point that when i talk when i speak i relate i associate what i'm going to talk about with my lecture then tell students uh, okay we have four hours but I'm gonna be talking only for an hour or so I'm going to refer you to read on this and you have also learning materials on the video uh, because uh, although some students will say na, it depends on the kind of video that you're going to suggest to them that's why I watch the video first before I get to let the students watch it because I will also try to see for myself. I'm just watching this. Because I always uh, try to see the student from their point of view, not just my point of view. Because I learned a lot when I was a student too, and I try to learn uh, positively. No? So I know what it means to be a student and you're just listening to somebody who can be quite boring. No, so you, uh, as a faculty, there should be a development also training for the faculty, how to make the lessons interesting, how to interact with the students. You know, that's why I would still prefer as much as possible limited number of students because especially in webinars, if you do group discussions, you no, know, it would still be preferable to have the SGDs. 
No, then the LGDs, the large group. My goodness, it's so difficult to to pin each and every one and ask them. No, but it's just nice that there are really schools who still stick to the SGD of about ten as many as twelve probably to a group. That's very acceptable, and the learning there will be more appropriate and suited for the individual needs of the students. Because now, diba in OBE, we don't only try to gauge the students through pen and paper na. Now we try to look at the different facets of intelligence of every student and then because there are some students who are good in reporting they can uh, assimilate their knowledge like that but they may not be that good really they can pass but not really that good in pen and paper no so so in, in OBE there are actually 10 facets no so i guess you're also aware of that it's been oriented to you Hopefully, in other medical schools, if they're not yet practicing it, but I I do believe that most med schools do. Uh, hopefully, they will look at it also that way. Now, it's not always the students at fault here. You know, sometimes it's the faculty as well. Yeah, there's a saying: uh, if 30% of the students fail, actually, it's no longer the students' fault. It is the faculty. The faculty should always ask, why did a lot of my students fail? I don't feel happy when I have a lot of failures in my students because I always wonder where did I go wrong? I was not able to impart properly. But of course, some of my colleagues may not agree because they feel happy when they fail a lot of students, but I don't. I don't because for me it reflects on my teaching. And I would rather be very happy when students recall me because they learned something rather than a student who say, Ha! Katusha! Terror! It's always nice when you meet a student when they become a future colleague na, and say, Oh, I always remember you because you talk about this and that. I feel, I'll feel honored. I'll feel na, oh, I did something right. No? So, as students, for your part, uh, just try to balance everything, no? And if you have a webinar burnout na, try to bring this up also with the faculty, no? Hopefully the faculty will not also look at it, you know, negatively or the school administration. This is the reason why you have your student council to have a voice, no? So that you can tell the administration na Taisa, we're overloaded na with all the webinars. Can we limit them no, or prioritize them according to the needs? Because I don't think uh, the faculty will also be happy na ikaw magsigikag paminog webinars. No? Uh, and it, for me also, it matters if the webinar is that interesting. So that's why I'm happy you had this podcast because it's very interactive. We talk about it. It's not like a lecture thing. Na, oh, yeah, I heard the slides. <laughs> and then afterwards, young student is no longer listening because sleepy na, no? So, nice. I, I congratulate the association, no? And for promoting this way of educating also the rest of the students. So, congratulations. You, you, you really did a good project here. May it continue to prosper. Thank you so much for that, Doc. So shout out to the um, officers of APMC uh, SN Visayas. Great job for this podcast. Now, um, one point lang uh, I, I noted 
um, while we're talking, Doc, no, I think communication also is uh, key in terms of the faculty yes. mm-hmm. as well as the students. And I think mm-hmm. there has to be a sort of connection between the two and mm-hmm. there has to be respect on both sides. Yes. Uh, you cannot just put everything on the student and the student also cannot put all of the blame yes. side on the part of the faculty. So yeah, it's I think communication. <laughs> true, yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that, Doc. Yes, Ray? Um, yes, also about the communication. No? So I think really it's important na we meet halfway because it's hard mangod na kanang one is trying to reach more than the other. Mm-hmm. So, di ba mas kapoy siya on, on one side? Mm-hmm. So, how about na mumit yun siya sa center so that equal ang efforts as well as equal sa ang, ang marip nga benefits. Mm-hmm. So, um, we I also appreciate doc nga um, doctors like you nga kanang effort, oh, there's extra effort nga to keep the interest of the students okay it's very hard to regulate you now the the students are in their own the comfort of their own own homes so it's very easy to lose kanang the attention span of the students okay you cannot control man their environment because we are in our homes and our homes are supposedly our safe haven or a place where we can relax so we really appreciate those doctors nga, who would go an extra mile nga kanandili lang siya pure lectures and mm. there are interactions as well nga kanang ma-entice ang students to stay mm-hmm. sa lecture mm-hmm. ana <laughs> Yeah that's true right no especially when you're having your online class in your bedroom and then ikatalikod nimo kay nara sa imong bed so that's very kanag sana attracting Yes. To, to our eyes. Mm. But Very yes, conducive uh, for sleeping. <laughs> uh, as what Freya said, Doc, no, I really appreciate that if, if the faculty um, gets out of their kanang routine bit of, of just teaching, but kanang they try to make the students learn rather mm-hmm. than kanang just put uh, all of the information to students. So thank you so much for for that, Doc. And I think related sadsha ang ato ang next question. We go back to telemedicine. Um, mm-hmm. There is a problem, though, Doc, in terms of the confidentiality yes. or the sensitivity, no, of mm-hmm. of the individuals. And mm-hmm. kanang maybe there are other ways to deliver quality healthcare to those who are in need. So this question comes from our friends. From the Cebu Institute of Techno uh, of Medicine, um, are there any other ways to deliver mental health care services to people who need them? Aside well, from telemedicine, of course, telemedicine is already a part of life. No, that's a given, and that's why if you have to use it, you have to make sure you know the technology behind it. Now, how are you going to do your record keeping? when you introduce yourself, when you have to tell the patient in advance about their consent to care. That's part of it. It's called the etiquette, no? That has to be uh, practiced in telemedicine. Like after introducing yourself, then you ask, no? Is it, uh, are you giving your permission that uh, we're going to discuss about your illness and but this can actually be recorded 
for my purposes and documentation so that we will have a record of your uh, illness in keeping. No? So you just have to explain everything. But then still, you have to ensure that when you talk to them, it is confidential what they have. No? Now, you cannot totally get uh, out of confidentiality thing in telemed. No? Especially, mahak manganing bangko. So, how much more for the records? No, it can be hacked, of course. Hackers are also getting more intelligent nowadays. They know their skill pretty well, uh, especially the Filipinos. No, you know, Filipinos are very, very innovative in that aspect. But there is still, of course, always a place for the face to face. No, as what I've said. I'm not all for telemedicine. No? That's why I practice. I open my clinic. No? Because for me, for those who still wish to really have the face-to-face -face contact and the face-to-face -face consult, but they'll just have to be patient enough. No? And if it is an emergency case, no? so we always have facilities. We have the government and we have the private facilities. No? So, if they're becoming a danger to themselves and to others, very violent and agitated, na, they can still be brought to the facilities. But it can just take you know, a little bit of a hassle. Like uh, in private facilities, we need them to be swabbed and isolated. And soon in the Center for Behavioral Sciences in Soto, we're, we're soon going to open again. But there will be steps, there will be protocol, there will be contingency plans. No? And uh, there will still be, of course, the telepsych. No? We were not going to get rid of that. But sooner or later, we will be starting, hopefully by next year, uh, limited face-to-face. -face, no? That is still a plan. The contingency plan is already laid out. It's just need to be implemented now. So we have this, uh, you know, watch and see attitude towards it but eventually we can't close our doors forever so we really have to go back to the face to face but limited nasha it won't be like before like we're seeing a hundred patients opd every day no but then it will probably start off with just a few like 10 or 20 combine it with the teleconsults okay so that's how it goes no, we'll have to face the music and dance to the groove. I say that again because it's true. No, so uh, pandemic, virus, the coronavirus, whatever mutation is going to undergo, it's here to stay. So we'll just have to adjust to the new normal. But eventually, face to face, we really come back. No, and there would still be a place and need for it. As what I've said. There are certain examinations in the physical exam that is very difficult to do virtually. No? So, number one, yun ang neuro. But then, well, in other medical specialties also, no? How can you auscultate, for example, for Rouse? I cannot hear. And then you'd say, I Rouse, or let's say it's pneumonia, no? Of course, you will order your laboratories. But it's different when you see the patient and you really listen to it, no? Or the brewy or the murmurs. How are you going to hear that? With uh, you, you can't do it, no, virtually. No? So there will still be a place for the face-to-face, -face, but it's going to be limited. 
and there will be precautions to be taken into consideration. So don't lose hope. There's still other ways and means. Right, Doc. I, I can just imagine no, asking your patient, Sir, pag panikog po ang kape, magtesta sa imong cranial nerve 1. Palikog simot sa imong kape. No? Virtually din ing na ko, no? So, yeah, kidding aside. <laughs> yes, doc. Uh, kidding aside, um, I think the important thing here is with telemedicine, we still have to learn more. No? Yes. I mean, it's here. And if it's here to stay, we have to continually learn more and learn um, the things that we can learn and then learn some more. Pagyod. And then practice more as well. Because, you know, it may sound cliche, but practice makes us perfect in in some sense. So, But if we continually practice the medicine side um, we get to know we get we get the hang of it side and then I think another important thing side that we have to remember is even in telemedicine we still have to remember that there are bounds in terms of healthcare that there that we still have our limitations and that it does not mean that because we are in a virtual world practice in in the real world and one good thing said you point up doc is planning um, as early as now, if we are going to transition to the new normal, I think it's very important for us to plan well so that maybe if we fail, no, gamay na lang atong failures later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, no plan is really that perfect, no? but uh, it's True. a work in progress. So eventually we will get there. We'll continue to improve. Yes, thank you so much for that, Doc Ray. Yeah, so I also agree about the uh, telemedicine, Doc. No? So each approach that we do to our patient, good, they have each of their own advantages and disadvantages, good. Telemedicine could be advantageous because it's um, convenient and it's mm-hmm. safer for the our patients, especially times mm-hmm. now. Pero kind of in the physical sense, nga kato neurologic exams, there are still a lot. Nga kailangan jud siya physical sense, but right now. It's a bit of a disadvantage because katong daghan kay hassle going in sa hospital and then the fear also sa mm-hmm. patients nga yes. ano kasi masakit na noon ko mm-hmm. nga ko magpa-check magpa-check up mm-hmm. pero basin masakit ko og samot if mato ko hospital mm-hmm. so the brother are sa pagkakaron um telemedicine morag ang prefer sa most especially for those nga access oh, oh. In, internet. internet connection but then again can um in the new normal we kind of have to adapt and we if pwede na ang physical um checkups or physical nga meetings between patients and doctors it's still nice na we will still have the telemedicine like maybe for kanang consults lang doc nga you are done na with the kanang physical ni mga examination so the follow ups could be telemedicine so that kanang mabuhi gihapon ang telemedicine yes mm-hmm. because Actually, it's a nice means uh, that's well, no? it's going to be like a blending process yes. no so there might come a time na yeah the patient will come in personally kay first consult but yes. eventually mo follow up na siya sa telemed no yes. so pwede ra na siya but then we cannot do totally without eventually nga wala na face to face no there will yeah, be there will be but we will transition into it no? yes yes thank you so much for that so the key there is kind of transitioning you know well planned transition to the new normal 
And um, at this point, we are down to our last question. Um, this comes from our friends from Doña Remedia, Remedio, ah, Doña DRTR. Okay, so the question is, where are the best resources for suicide prevention and mental health problems, Doc? Best resources? Oh my goodness, look at them in the internet. Ang dami, no? There, uh, there's really a list of all the credible sources, no? But of course, the school has also to be very supportive of this. No? As what I've mentioned earlier, now once it is already established in the school as part of really, you know, for the students, that there is a mental health program for it every now and then there might be certain talks and webinars about it coming from of course the experts in mental health profession and yes if you really need it then you can just go to the internet no it's just a click away no, there are there's a list there there's an official list of all the you know free online now, if you want really the national there's the national but there are also certain regional services okay so in if you are from rtr is in tacloban try to yes, no. get in touch with evrmc the east desires regional no medical center you know, uh, if it's not only pandemic, sometimes I reach there, no, and I do some lectures for the residents, because you know I, I I'm one person I like to travel when when I'm invited I go, so that's why I have gone to EVRMC. I've even gone as far as Zamboanga, no. So of course Manila is a given, but then I I like to do it here, sa Visayas and Mindanao or SPMC, no. Uh, the, that is also the, the provincial hospital there so it can be government usually the government hospital because you need to be in ally no with a government hospital for mental health and the training and exposure now although there's still also the private you get that during med school but once you become senior clerks then you are exposed to an accredited government uh, tertiary hospital no, for proper training. Like here, the Visayas, it's Soto. Okay. Maoman siya, no? But in depends on from what med school you are. So, but we do get also some uh, senior clerks, no? Before the pandemic from Xavier University, they, they have their psych rotation in Soto, in CBS. No, it, it depends. Although you have the SPMC in Davao, for uh, Mindanao groups or let's say the Zamboanga or those in other parts also. Mindanao is very big. Of course, Luzon, ang dami, no? Because there yeah. you have your National Center for Mental Health. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that, Doc. So, um, there are a lot of resources, no? Um, just need mm. to Google them, use the information wisely. If you are mm. from Kanang a particular area. Yeah, so, region. Yeah. Yes. And also the telemedicine will also allow them sa doc, not to reach out to kanang mm-hmm. far places nga, nga impossible sad to reach. 
So that's that's also yes. a good point. <laughs> you know, in tawag paglaom, tawag paglaom were actually getting callers coming from Mindanao, mm-hmm. and some are from Luzon, from Manila. No, so that's how broad it can it can reach really. Yeah. So the um, we just have to use these resources wisely, Ray. Mm. Yes, so again, we reiterate that help is always available. So, katung from Vicente Soto, it's available 24-7. All you just have to do is get the phone or maybe search in the internet because help is there. You just have to reach out. So, again, no, there's times nga, um the first step will begin with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's there, they are willing, and um, they may be able to help you if you just let them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's good, na, it's a good way to be self-aware, to know more about yourself. You are helping yourself. Alright, so kanang mental health is Hogwarts. I am not sure mga Harry Potter fans out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because Hogwarts, diba, they say, help is given if to those who need it. Sakto ba na siya? Or help is given to those who ask for it. Or something like that. So, yes, at this point. By the way, I'd like to correct myself. That's Doña Remedios T. Romualdez Medical Foundation College of Medicine. RTR, and also, yeah. RTR. And also like to acknowledge our friends from the University of the Visayas Galias College of Medicine who sent one of the questions as well earlier. Yes, so at this point, I think we are now done with our podcast. I'm sorry, Dokna, I initially <laughs> asked you for a one-hour podcast, but it seems yeah, we've reached two hours for this very informative <laughs> session. That's okay, no? because uh, whatever I can do to, to help and to clarify, to educate, it would be an honor on my part. No? So thank you for inviting me. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for those who are listening from all the med schools. Hello. Take care of your mental health. <laughs> yeah, shout out to everyone who's listening. Now, at this point, I'd like to uh, read the certificate for Dr. Glenda Basubas. The Association of Philippine Medical Colleges Student Network, Visayas Region, Health Policy Committee, in partnership with Siliman University Medical School and SMS Vital Science Certificate of Recognition is provided to Dr. Glenda Basubas for sharing her time and expertise as guest speaker during the second episode of Tell Med About It, a webinar series with the, conducted last December 26 via Facebook Live, given this 26th day of, of December 2020. Signed by Edgar Frederick Crios, the Regional Vice President, And Odyssey Key, the head of the Regional Health Policy Committee. So thank you so much, Doc. I'd like to correct myself that uh, in partnership with Cebu Doctors University <laughs> College of Medicine. So Doc, once again, thank you so much for sharing your post-Christmas day with us. Um, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot, Yud. My pleasure. No? Yeah, most welcome. We so are recovery. so very honored that um, you are here, Doc, and 
we understand that it's post Christmas season. It's a day after Christmas. Um, we are with our families. We are celebrating with them. We are relaxing, but we are also very thankful for those who are here, who are listening, who have tuned in from start until now. We are closing, and again, thank you so much, Doc. Basubas, we learned a lot, and night times nga naigo jud kayo me and <laughs> we just self awareness yeah self awareness sad na siya we are also being self aware mm. as of the moment doc <laughs> and we sure. are really very thankful um, very enlightening talk so again to everyone help is always there and all you have to do is um, be self aware recognize so that you would be able to help yourself. You are in control of your own mind, of your own emotions. You are entitled to them. And I, it's your right to protect it. And um, But it's also not wrong to ask help from others, especially those professionals who can be of really good help to you. Thank you for that trade, Doc. Um, any last words to our listeners? Okay, so I'd like to tell each and every one that during these times, it is a natural reaction to become anxious. No? So, but if it goes beyond the capacity to the extent that it is already beginning to debilitate you, making you feel inefficient, Please ask for help. No? Although it's okay not to be okay during these times, it would still be better if you ask for help when the need arises. No? Because no health without mental health. So take care of your minds and be mindful. Yes, thank you so much, Doc. Um, wishing everyone no, good mental health today and for the rest of their lives. Um, in line with this, aside, aside from this podcast, Cebu Doctors University will also be hosting the annual regional convention. And with that, we are inviting all of you to join us for this event. Um, in for uh, more details, Rhea, would you like to plug this event? Yes, we'd also like to take this opportunity to invite everyone for the annual regional conventions for Visayas. And one thing that's unique is obviously we are doing it online. So in, in addition to the talk, there could be a lot of webinars. But um, this one, this is really helpful to the students as well. And we really hope that you get to um, support this one because this is for us also, for the entire Visayas. And the registration period is now ongoing. It started December 7, 2020, and it would end on January 5th. 2021. So almost na po because this year is um, about to end na. So yes, um, the regional conventions will be on January 23 to 24, 2021. So again, we are inviting everyone. So um, if you want more details about the registration process, you can ask your school's um, APMCSN representatives. And also, um, I'd like to 
take this opportunity as well to thank everyone who helped us or who supported for our project Ayuda. Project Ayuda is was a collaboration between the CDU-SUEM Student Council and the two organizations of Cebu Doctors University College of Medicine organizations. So we have the AMSA ALSA and we also have um, CORE. So for the Project Ayuda for Typhoon Ulysses victims, we were able to raise 169,147 um, pesos. Wow. So the, the we the the benefactors here we um, also partnered with the APMCSN. So thank you everyone again to those who supported this cause and we really do hope that um, our brothers and sisters who was affected with the different calamities was able to benefit from this as well. I think Monatoshadi. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, again, for those who supported Ayuda. And yes, thank you so much, Doc Glenda Basubas. Thank you, Ray, for the second episode of Telmed. And this has been Dio Robert Castro. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Doc. Welcome. Have a Merry Christmas. Oh, sorry. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. I'm going to stop on stream. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Doc. Thank you so much for your time, Doc. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Very insightful, Doc. Yes, Doc. Can we have a picture-taking, Doc? (laughs) Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. And also, Carl as well. Turn on your camera, Carl. Oh, gani harugit si Carl. Wala jicho mo. Masin na tuga, Carl ha. Wala dok. Take a go. One, two, three. Okay. Another one. Ah, uh, in- any dog. Uh, do the eight money on APMC post. <laughs> Anna, is that the one? Yeah, V for yes. Viva Visayas dog. Overlap one, shadow. Two, one, two, three, smile. Yay. Thank you, dog. Thank you so Thank you much, again, dog. dog. Thank you, dog. Happy holidays. Happy 